Let's see what God's word has to say about this very topic. I'm going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. Great story. You might have heard it. About Samuel, who was kind of the uh, last judge, also a priest for Israel in the promised land before the... He was the one who anointed the first king of Israel. It's an interesting little story here in 1 Samuel. I'll give you a little bit of background as we get into it. Um, but I'll, I'll wait with that background. The, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli was the priest. He was the high priest, the line of Aaron. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. Did you know there are a lot of visions from God today, especially in Middle Eastern countries? People are seeing visions and coming to Christ all the time in the Middle East. You want to read more about it, ask me. I'll tell you where you can find it. So there were not many visions at this time. One night, Eli, the priest, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. There's kind of a clue right there. The light's still going. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. The ark was representative of God's presence. And the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And uh, in the Hebrew, it's, it's uh, Behold me. Beneni. Uh, it's like saying, I'm at your service. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down. And again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli. He said, here I am. You called me. My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Uh, Eli, he probably felt like you feel when your kids get up in the middle of the night. You know? No, no drink of water. Go to the bathroom. Go to bed. Now Samuel um, did not yet know the Lord, verse 7. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. I take it to mean um, that, that he, didn't, he didn't know all how God talks. You know? and, and maybe you feel that way too. You know? like, I mean, I know about God, but I really don't know when it's God. You know? And the Lord called Samuel a third time and Samuel got up and went to Eli. He said, here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down and if he calls you, say, speak Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there. Ooh, does that give you chills? The Lord came and stood there. 
calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke about his fa- against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Ooh, heavy message. Samuel lay down again till morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. Obedient Samuel. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything. Hiding nothing from him. And then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word and Samuel's word came to all Israel wow what a lot to think about a lot to think about I want to tell you a story so if you're joining us for the first time today we're, we're in a, a, a short little series called stop the world they want to get off and it's about it's about the fourth commandment God's commandment to to stop on his special day for us it's Sunday first day that of the week because that's when Jesus resurrected from the dead for the Hebrews it was Saturday the seventh day of the week because that's the day that that God said make the Sabbath day holy he rests on the seventh day after six days of creation so every seven days we rest we stop and and we make it holy to God and we give it, we give it all to Him. We, we don't work. We trust Him. We look for Him. We delight in Him. We rest. We do things that bring us joy because God is about that. Some of the things that we've been looking at over the past couple of weeks. Today I want to look at um, listening for God. And this is actually my third point. I'll get to it later, but I'll tell you it now. Uh, that Sabbath is like the ideal day to work at listening for God. You should listen to God all the time. But Sabbath is an ideal day to practice it. Okay? First, I want to tell you a story. The council of the church, not this church, one of my former churches, um, was on our annual uh, planning retreat. Every year uh, in January, we would go on a retreat. We talk about, you know, what does God want us to do this year? It was January, and we were at a golf course at a, at a golf resort that we had rented uh, some rooms in, and it was blanketed with snow because it was the middle of January. And, and part of our intent was to slow down enough to hear from God, so I had taken everybody's cell phone and boxed it up, boxed them up, and uh, yeah, they were very mad about that. 
and <laughs> for a few minutes. <laughs> then we got used to it. And there were 22 of us. Uh, and um, I told them to find a place, either indoors or outdoors, to be alone with God and to ask God four questions. Here are the four questions. God, what do you like about me? God, what do you want to change about me? God, who do you want me to pray for? And what do you want, what do you want me to pray? What should I pray for that person? I said, you got an hour. Go somewhere and do this. So off we went. I donned my hunting overalls. Um, boots, hat, mittens, gloves, everything, because I like to go out in nature. So I went out in the woods and I sat along a little stream that was running along the golf course. And I sat down with my journal and I asked God those questions. And when I got to who should you pray for, the name of one of the elders in our church popped into my mind. We'll call him Ed because that's what his name was. And also because um, I asked Ed if when I tell this story in the future if I could use his name. And he said, absolutely. So, uh, God said, pray for Ed. At least that's what I thought God said. That's odd, I thought. I mean, Ed is praying to you right now. I mean, you got something to tell Ed, you can tell him. I mean, you are God after all. So, okay, well, maybe, maybe this is, you know, maybe it is God. Just in case it is, God, what do you want me to pray for Ed? And I, I heard it as clear as someone standing next to me. He doubts his significance. Like, you probably don't think that happens. You know, when I was a young Christian, I heard stories like this, you know, and I thought, yeah, right. They just, they made that up for the Guidepost magazine or something. Does that really happen? Oh, it happens. Some of you know this, it happens. As you, as you walk with the Lord longer and longer, you experience more of these things. The more, Jesus, God says in Jeremiah 29, you will seek me and you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. The more you seek God, the more you find so I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is God. I don't know. Maybe it's not. But in case it is, God, what do you want me to pray for? He doubts his significance. Okay, God, I'm, I'm praying for, for you to tell Ed that he's significant. You know, I'm praying for Ed. And when it was over, um, we, went, we, we convened again in our warm meeting hall in the, uh, in, in the golf lounge. We went around the room, all 22 of us. And I just asked them to share, who did God tell you to pray for? And what did you pray you know, and to a man, every one of us had a specific person that, that we felt like we should pray for and, and a specific thing to pray about for that person. You know, and, and everybody was marveling like, yeah, I, yeah, it just came to my mind, this person, and I prayed for this. I'm going to go ask him, you know, about it and, and so forth. And I went last and I was very nervous because, you know, Ed's right over there. And if, if this wasn't God... This is going to look super dumb, you know. And I'm, I'm not into looking super dumb, you know. So, so I'm nervous. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should make up something about someone else that's not here. Because then nobody would know whether God talked to me or not, you know. But I, I didn't do that. I said, you know, uh, I don't know if it was God or not. But while I was praying, I felt like... God told me to pray for you, Ed. Ed's right there. 
And Ed, I think God wants you to know that you're significant. And Ed started to cry. And then I was really nervous. And I'm like, Ed, what do the tears mean, Ed? And he murmured, when you were praying about this, what time was it? And I said, it was, uh, it was 9.50. I, I know, because I was looking at my watch to see if I had enough time to pray for Ed before I had to get back. And at 10 o'clock, we had to be back. You know, and it was 9.50. And he says, I was praying at that exact time about my significance. And I'm like, okay, there is a God. There is a God. He does listen. He does talk to us. You know? I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Okay, I can give you 21 guys' phone numbers and you can call them and they'll tell you that I'm not t- making this up. This is, this is true. God spoke to all of us. We heard God speak. A little bit later, my uh, associate pastor and my youth pastor and I, because we had planned the retreat, um, got together and, and they were all like just all giddy, excited. God showed up. God showed up. You know, and that's what we had prayed for. We had prayed, God, we're going to go on retreat. But most of all, we just wanted you to show us that you're real. You know, I mean, we know you are, but we just want to, we don't want to experience it. You know, and they were like, God showed up. Praise the Lord. You know. And everyone was, was praising God because, because God listens when you pray. And God tells you things. I firmly believe that God is speaking to us all the time. And this is the first point in your notes, um, but I want you to put it in, in first person. God is always speaking to me. Okay? Just tell yourself that because God is always speaking. And, and He's speaking to you. He's speaking to all of us. Some folks think that God exists but that He doesn't say anything or that He doesn't care much about things. You know, like He doesn't care what you eat, or He doesn't care what you wear, or whether you collect fall leaves and why, or whether uh, certain music makes you weep. Like, they, they just think that God's not into any of that. It's not true. Psalm 37, look it up, verse 23. You are familiar with every detail of my life. That's, what, that's, that's who God is. And people, but people think that God is like this, this uh, the creator of the world like a clockmaker winds up a spring-powered clock, you know, and then just sits it on the mantle and lets it tick off uh, while he goes off and watches TV or, or something else. We call that deism, okay? It's a belief that there is a God, but he's not involved, right? But that's not the... That's not the, the God of the Bible. Deists think that God, there is a, God's present, but he does, he's not in the minutia of our individual life. He doesn't care if, if you like to go for a motorcycle ride. He doesn't care what kind of blouse you wear. Uh, but that's not the truth in uh, the truth of God in, in here. That's not the God who spoke to a, a young boy in the temple. And told him things. That's not the God who spoke to David, King David, who, who Samuel would anoint. And if you read it in, in the book of Chronicles, you'll, you'll read where David goes, God, should I go to fight these people or not? Where should I go, God? Where should I hide? Where should I attack? And God tells him all those things. It's all in the Bible. Many years ago, I, I, I just never thought about whether God had something he wanted to say to me. You know, I mean, I figured I'd read the word and he would convict me and so forth. You know, but 
listening prayer. I, I didn't learn about that when I was a kid. It's not that God is gone. It's not that God is different than he was in King David's day or Samuel's day. No, if we don't hear God, it's not because uh, of that. If we don't hear God, it's, it's because we don't recognize his voice. He's speaking, but we don't recognize it. We don't notice. So look at Samuel. He's serving in the church. He's, he's working in the church. He lives in the church. That's, he lives at the temple where the ark of God is, you know, with the priests. He's lived there. And he's doing, I guess, God stuff, you know, whatever you do at the temple. Get ready for the sacrifices or clean the bathrooms. Or I, don't, I don't know what he was doing. It doesn't tell us. But he didn't recognize God speaking to him. Verse 7, look at verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. But here's, here's the thing about this story, which is pretty obvious. It can be, you can know the Lord, you can hear from Him, you know. You can learn to recognize His voice. The New Testament tells us that God's Holy Spirit comes to live in, in followers of God and, and convict us of His ways. If you are a Christian, it's because the Holy Spirit came into your heart. God, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, no one can say that Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You'd never do that without the Holy Spirit's power in you in the first place. And then in John 16, it tells us that Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, you know, to prepare a place for you, John 14. I'm going to go to heaven. And when I go there, I'm going to send the counselor, the spirit, and he, the paraclete, the one who comes along beside you. And he's going to guide you and everything. Let's read this from John 16, verse 13. I have it on the screen. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, read it with me, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me, Jesus, by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. This is Jesus saying, I'm going to send the Spirit. He's going to tell you stuff. Right? Like Jeremiah 29 that I quoted a little bit earlier. You, um, you will call on me. You will pray uh, to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. It's Jeremiah 29, 13, 12 and 13. I believe that God's words are like radio waves. There are radio waves going through this room right now. All kinds of radio stations are playing and they're, and they're all going through the air right now. You just don't hear them because you haven't turned on your radio. You haven't tuned in. But if you did, you'd hear them. Or if you had a sound system like we had at my church up in Highland, you'd pick them up anyway. <laughs> Sometimes we just hear it right over the sound system. <laughs> it's weird. God is always active. God is always speaking. He's always working. He doesn't sit around. God is not at a park somewhere staring blankly at the ripples in the water. No. He's more like a zookeeper taking care of the zoo. And if you feel like your life is a zoo, remind yourself, God is the zookeeper. Okay? And he is taking care of it. He's attending everything. He's caring for his creation. He's walking through it all the time. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There's no speech. There's no language where their voice isn't heard. The world is talking about God. Creation is telling about God all the time. We just don't tune it in. 
You know, and then Isaiah says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, I read this to you earlier, and don't return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. So is the word from my mouth. It, it will not return to me empty. It goes out and it does stuff. It will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it, says Isaiah. A little bit later, also in Isaiah, I have not spoken in secret from some place in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, that's Israel, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. It's, it's not like it's not there and it's not to be seen. It's, it's there. So here's the takeaway of all this. It's a really a beautiful thing, you know. If you ever feel like, you know, stop the world, I want to get off. It's just too much for me. It helps to know and it helps to remind you uh, that, that God is not gone. He's on this spinning world. He's in your world and he has things to tell you about what to do and how to live. And they work and he has not left and he has not forsaken us. He's here and he's active and he's talking. Do you think that the God who, who knew Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1, he says, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb and I called you to this job. You think that God is off, you know, sleeping? No. How about the God who, who uh, said through David that, you know, you knew me in my mother's womb before I was formed, you saw me, you know, Psalm 139. Or the God who says in Matthew 6 that he knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of us, that's easier for God to count. For others, it's a little harder. But he knows all of them. Is that the kind of God that you think is just doing nothing somewhere? No. He's interacting. First Chronicles 28 says, The Lord searches every heart. He understands every motive behind every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. As Isaiah 65 says, Before they call, I will answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. Before they, I always wondered about that. Before they call, I will answer. So sometimes I pray for things even after I know they happened because I figure God can answer before I, I call, right? That's what it says. So you hear that somebody had a surgery, uh, Linda Johnson had a surgery on Friday on her hip, you know, but you didn't know that till today. Should you not pray for her? I said, pray for her. Pray God, heal Linda Johnson, you know, uh, let that surgeon do a good job because God can hear before you ask. Psalm 91 says, He will call on me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and I will honor him. Does that sound like God who's not involved in your details? Ask me. I'll answer you. So if we don't hear from God, it's not because he's gone. It's not because he's not speaking. It's not because he's not there. It's just because we're not listening very well. Now, when I don't stop to listen, I miss him. That'd make a good song, right? When I don't stop to listen, I miss him. I miss him whose word is most important. When I don't stop to listen, I just miss him. I miss it. Isaiah 48. Come near to me and listen to this. From the first announcement, I haven't spoken in secret. At the time it happens, I'm there. Sovereign Lord has sent me with his spirit. This is what he says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I'm the Lord your God. I teach you what is best. I direct you in the way you should go. If only you pay attention to my commands, your peace would be like the river. Your righteousness would be like waves of the sea. You know, they just never end. If only we would listen. So let's go back to let's go back to Samuel's day, right? This was a time of the judges. 
They had gotten out of Egypt. They had been 40 years in the wilderness. They had come in under Joshua into the promised land. They didn't have a king. They're just this huge, massive 12 tribes of Israel. And they're all living in this land. And they have no, like, single leader. And God would raise up from time to time. About three years ago, we studied through the book of Judges. Does anybody remember that? Nobody remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good. Because we did do it. We studied through the whole book of Judges. You know, we looked at them all. And this was a period of time where God would raise up one particular person at one particular time. Samson was a judge to save Israel from whatever emergency they were in. And uh, so this is a time of Judges. No king, no single ruler. 300 years in the, in, in the, in the scriptures and Judges say, and the people just did whatever was good in their own eyes. They just did their own thing. Everyone did their own thing. For longer than America has been America. Okay? They just did their own thing. You might guess that it would have got a little out of hand, maybe, after a while. Okay, so now look at verse 1 in our, in our chapter. Verse 1 tells us, the voice of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Why not? People weren't listening. I, I dare say that there were words from the Lord. What is being described here is that nobody heard them. Verse 2 says that Eli the priest was going blind. But we suspect that it's more than physical. We suspect that it's more than physical. Seems like he's not listening to God. He doesn't see. You know, and we, our suspicion is correct when we get to verse 13. Go down to verse 13 and you realize that, uh, that Eli has not been obeying God. And he has not been stopping his children from doing evil things. If you want to know what those things are, you go back to chapter 2. In chapter 2, we learn that Eli's sons, when the people would bring their meat to the sacrifice, they would take the best meat right off the bat for themselves. And we also learn in chapter 2 that Eli's sons were sleeping with the lady volunteers at church. Okay? I mean, you can read it in chapter 2. Women who volunteered at church in the temple and his sons were sleeping with them. And Eli didn't stop it. So here's, here's the lesson that we see in this, that my disobedience cuts me off from hearing God. You know? It's not like God isn't talking. It's not like God doesn't know the way. It's not like we can't find out what it is. It's that our disobedience blocks us and we don't hear Him anymore. We don't see Him anymore. It's like that with addictions. If you ever fought with addiction of any kind of at all, be it drugs, alcohol, pornography, anything, work, uh, when you're addicted to something, your world shrinks, and that's the only thing you think about, and it's the only thing you see. That's not life. You miss out ev- on everything else. Okay, well, that's what our disobedience does. It cuts us off from everything else. And God allows us to cooperate. You know, God, God is the, the sole actor in our redemption. He is the sole Savior. We have nothing to do with that. It's all grace. But He says, once He saves us, now you can walk with me or you can not walk with me so much. I'm going to hang on to you. I will never let go of you, but I'm going to let you, you know, stray here and there. It's up to you whether you want to walk really closely with me or if you want to linger off the path and get lost. I will always find you. I will always save you, but you're going to save yourself a lot of trouble if you just stay next to me. And that's called sanctification. You know, big word for becoming holy, becoming like God, growing up. In God. God allows us to cooperate in that part. 
He also allows us to cooperate in the treasure we're setting up in heaven. My, my small group is, uh, one of my small groups is studying that right now. The things we do here last into heaven. It's worth thinking about. That's another series. Now in the Old Testament, it says that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, would come upon an individual. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit would come upon an individual. Came upon Othniel. I bet nobody in here but Gene knows who Othniel is. <laughs> Came upon Gideon. You've heard of Gideon, maybe a couple of you. Came upon Samson. It says the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and he slew the Philistines, right? Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and this. Spirit of the Lord came upon David. It says the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul. Saul, the first king of Israel, David was the second. Came upon Saul and he prophesied with the prophets. Here's the king being a prophet because the Spirit of the Lord came on him. Okay, so it's not like the Spirit wasn't around doing things. When Samson disobeyed, he was the judge. Samson was the judge of Israel. When he disobeyed with Delilah, he lost his strength, right? He became weak. He was cut off from God because of his disobedience. Not because God wasn't speaking or God didn't want to use him. When Saul plundered the Amalekites, which God said, do not plunder the Amalekites. And Saul did it anyway. And then Samuel comes to Saul and says, dude, you did it anyway. Because, yeah, well, um, yeah, the people wanted me to, and there's lots of good stuff. And God says, and through Samuel, I'm taking the kingdom away from you, Saul. Because you didn't cooperate. It doesn't mean Saul wasn't a follower of God. It doesn't mean Saul went to hell. It does mean, this, the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord left him. That's what it says. Spirit of the Lord left him. In the next chapter, a couple chapter, uh, yeah, chapter four, you, if you go home and read it, um, the ark is going to get stolen by, uh, I think it's the Philistines, I can't remember. Yeah, the Philistines. And, um, and, uh, and one, one lady is having a baby at the time, and, and she, uh, and Eli dies, and the sons die, and it's looking pretty bad. And the, so the lady names her son Ichabod. You know what Ichabod means? Kabod is glory. Ichabod, the glory has left. God's, God left. Well, it's not that God left so much. It, didn't, it's not, it doesn't say God left. The glory has departed because we're not cooperating. So think about it. Have you ever heard a little whisper from God in your conscience? The, the Christian church has always held for centuries, all the way from Jesus' time, that the Holy Spirit speaks in the conscience. You know, we, we talk about the conscience. We say, oh, that's that little voice of our own that tells us we're doing the wrong or the wrong thing. No, it's not. That's God's voice telling you whether you're doing the right or the wrong thing. Now, you can train your conscience to be well-developed or you can have poorly developed conscience that doesn't hear God at all. But that's where God speaks. Holy Spirit speaks. Have you ever heard that little voice, a little whisper? You know, you're doing something or you're about to choose something or you're about to do whatever and you hear that little voice says, no, don't do that. That is a mistake. Now don't say that. That would not be good. And you do it anyway. I wonder how many of us have ever done that. I don't really wonder. Because I know every one of you have. And I have. We all do it all the time. Because we're fallen sinful people and we need Jesus to keep us from doing that. 
What we're doing when we choose it anyway is we're setting up this blockade. We're taking out our, our hearing aids, so to speak. We're putting on spiritual earmuffs. We're, we're, we're turning off the radio. That's what we're doing whenever we do that. You know, and there's, it just doesn't just go away. You want to you counter that. You need to confess it. You need to ask forgiveness for it and, and ask God to, to wipe out that from your heart and your life. That's, that's the way to get rid of those things. Don't, don't just sweep it under the rug. Then you start learning to listen to God again. If you don't, you don't expect to hear him much because we get in our own way. And then the last thing I want to say is that the Sabbath is the primary day to practice this stuff that I'm talking about. The Sabbath is the primary day to listen, to practice listening or looking for God. I told you before in this series that, that Sabbath is for worship, it's for rest, and it's for delight. That's what the Orthodox Jews always believed. We're supposed to delight in God. We're supposed to rest and we're supposed to worship Him, honor Him, look for Him, talk to Him. It's the perfect day to practice listening prayer. Do you, does, your, does your world ever feel like it's spinning out of control and you just want to get off? Then start stopping. Start taking a day of rest and plan to, to try to hear God in it. You know? Ask God some questions. Now Samuel's story is all about God making a way uh, to speak into our world again. Okay? Um, so that we hear Him. He lets us make choices that distance us from his joy, but he never totally gives up on us. And Samuel's story is about this. Let me give you a little bit of the background now. Okay, chapter 1, um, Samuel is a literal answer to prayer. That's who he is. Hannah prayed and she, she was barren and she got pregnant with Samuel. And Samuel, you know what it means? It means God heard. Shema El. Shema means to hear in Hebrew. El is the word for God. Elohim. God heard. God hears. So he as a person is a representation of the fact that God talks to you. God answers your prayers. Now in chapter 1 and 2, we learn that Eli's sons were, were wicked and immersed in all those things I told you about. And we learn all those things. And as they're telling us these things about Eli's sons, it keeps popping in little pieces and pieces about Samuel. For example, First uh, Samuel chapter 2, verse 17. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord. They weren't listening, but God was going to make a way. For him to be heard. Eli says, 1 Samuel 2, uh, 2, 25. Eli says, Howard did not listen to their father's rebuke, and it was, for it was in the Lord's will to put them to death. And, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and favor with the Lord. God was making a way. Did you ever hear that verse anywhere else in the Bible? Yes. When Jesus was growing up, and it says he continued to grow in stature and in favor with God and men. You know, Samuel was like a prefiguration of what's coming in Jesus Christ. So be assured, friends, that this, in this frenzied world, there is a God who is doing things and He is speaking and He is near. And the clo- fastest way to get close to Him is go to, go to Jesus Christ. You go to Jesus Christ, you ask Him to be your Savior, your God, your guide. 
Ephesians 1 says, Now you have heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. When you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own and He gave you the Holy Spirit who, who He promised long ago. You want to hear from God's Spirit? You need Christ. You need to go through Christ. You don't need anybody else. You don't need Mother Mary. You don't need St. Augustine. You don't need anybody. Just Christ. He's the final word, the final act of God making a way to speak into our world again. Hebrews 1, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. Samuel was one of them. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. That's the last one. Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the universe. The son is the exact representation of all of God's being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That's who the son is. So it makes sense to pursue him. After he provided purification for sins, Jesus, he sat down at the right hand of God in majesty. I urge you and myself to seek him more than you are right now. Just seek him more than you are right now. I urge you to stop. I urge you to listen. I urge you to try. I urge you to ask him questions. I urge you to bring him your decisions, your dilemmas, and say, what? What do I do? Tell me. Ask him what choice to make. I'll suggest a little bit of a liturgy for you uh, that you can, you can do this on any day, but Sunday's a good day to practice it. A little bit of a practice on a Sunday as you follow God. The primary reason that he made us is to know him. He didn't make us just to eat. He didn't make us accomplish things. God can accomplish things without us. He made us so that we know him and we interact with him and we hear him and we talk to him and we live with him. That's what we're going to do in heaven. We're going to live with him and ski with him and snorkel with him and all those things, you know, to be with God. So on your day of rest, set aside some time for listening prayer. Just set aside some time. Try it. Try it for a little bit. Find some place quiet, some place still. Open God's word. Read. That's God's word is the most direct way to do it. Read something and say, God, what are you saying? Show me what you show me what you want me to know. And and when you pray, I told you last week that the Hebrews, uh, the Jewish people, they didn't even do prayers or petition on Sunday because it was like work, you know. <clears throat> I don't mean to get legalistic about it. It's not a rule, but but they would just do prayers of thanks. You know, because they wanted to focus on how, how good God was. So um, when you're praying, you know, try some other kind of praying. Don't just like, I need this God, I need this God, I need this God. So-and-so is in hospital, and so-and-so is in hospital. Try thing, asking God your questions. Try those four questions I talked about at the beginning. You know, God, what do you like about me? God, what do you want to change about me? God, who, who should I pray for? What should I pray? Just try it. I assure you that God always answers. And I'm, it might not be yes, it might be no. It might be not yet. It might be um, in a little while. And it might be yes. It could be a lot of things. But ask. You're not going to hear if you don't ask. And you can be assured that God will answer because Jesus Christ is the perfect example of that. He answered. He sent us His Word. The Word that was at creation. The word that brought us redemption and the word that's going to give us our future. Let's pray.